Maybe today's the day I break 80 Want the ball to draw, but it keeps on fading No OB and no bogeys I gotta keep it on the 80, it's the gold Would you hit it on one? Straight up the gut, baby Now I got a wedge on my short game cravings Little bit of edge on the sport makes gravy So punch out the rough and tune to break 80 Break 80 This is episode 11 of the Break 80 podcast, and we're bringing the heat this week with our A squad. We're joined by short-sighted golfer Mike, who I now want to call the wind cutter, as I saw him penetrate the wind with ease and fly greens by 40 yards yesterday. Uh, uh, He's also got top 100 Tim, just got back from Myrtle Beach, added a few more courses to his resume. How are we doing, boys? I wouldn't call it with ease, but uh, <laughs> yeah, we're, we're trying to be a shot maker. <laughs> uh, it's nice being out of the wind for a while. Nothing like the Carolinas to to get your bones warm and and feel like you can play golf before being absolutely brutalized by Minnesota the minute oh. you get back. So, so if it's if it's one thing, it's the other. If we, if it's not cold, it's got to be windy. It's not windy, it's got to be rainy. Well, we uh we got quite the agenda. We're going to talk a little bit about our uh, the, the break eighty pod played a, played a round together yesterday at North Fork. We'll talk about that a little bit. Talk a little bit about what's in the bag. Uh, each of us will go through a bag. Birdie Fest at Craig Ranch this, as, uh, this week as KH Lee repeats. PGA um, Championship this week. It's major week, boys. And Tim's trip to Myrtle, as well as some golf absurdities to, to close us out. So that's our agenda. Let's start with a little bit of a recap on where we at with our games. We played yesterday, Links at North Fork in Ramsey, Minnesota. Um, I don't know if uh, playing a links course in, in win was a good choice as uh, that, that seemed to be a, a two, three, four club wind at times. What do you guys think? Uh, I have, cons- I want to, I want you guys to know that I have consulted the, uh, the textbooks on the laws of gravity and physics <laughs> agronomy experts. And I still don't know how that putt went left on 18. <laughs> 24 hours later, I still have no idea how that putt could go left. For the uh, for the viewers out there, uh, I've got a stellar record on 17 of this game that Mike calls Roland. A lot of you might call Vegas, uh, but a couple couple games here in a row where there's been big swings on 17 that have worked in my favor. Big birdie putt, big looper into a left pin placement that really turned the tides on that that game. Yeah. You know, I think if I, if that was a 40 footer for par, I probably would have made it, you know, five footer for par. That's <laughs> just not, that's just not how it, how it was. You I made think. at least 700 feet of putts that day. <laughs> I don't know about that, but. And I don't even know if that's a slight exaggeration. You made right. a, at least a 45 footer and a 30 footer. You look, it's all about the pencil grip, baby. We're back. We're back to this, the full pencil. We're, we're, we're locked in. We're reading greens. We're trying to actually try on the greens a little bit this year. Maybe. See what happens. Dare, the pencil grip is sharp. We dare say that. Well, yep. here's the deal. Mike and I teamed up against Tim and then a friend of the pod, uh, a Pat. And, uh, you know, we had him early. I don't think, you know, in this game, you basically, if you're winning, you get the box. And I don't think we didn't have, we did not have the box until what hole 17? 18. 18. 18. 18. 18. 18. 18. 18. 18. 18. 18. 
hit the stick and go out to tie Tim for a birdie on the hole. Just yeah, a little so, bit too hard. So I guess so I'll explain the game if you have no idea what we're talking about. Um, so roll them or Vegas uh, might be a little different, but basically you have two man teams. It's a good game for a foursome. You use all scores. There's no, it's not like best ball. So if I made a five and Jeff made a four, we had 45. And if Tim made a five and Pat made a five, they had 55. We had, we got 10 points on that hole. Um, the team that's ahead after hole one, or that's ahead anytime, tees off first. So the team that hits second gets to roll them. So if we hit two shitty ones, they can say roll them and the points double for the hole. We get one chance to say re-roll and the points quadruple. And so that didn't happen yesterday, but you can get that high. So you're never really out of it um, because the other kicker is if you make a birdie or an eagle, you flip the other team's points. So if somebody on the other team make, made a par, par four and the other guy made a seven and you made a birdie in your team, instead of 47, they have 74. So you can, you can have some big point swings there. Uh, which happened to us on 17 because Tim made Tim made a birdie. It's a par three. It was kind of a wicked pin, wicked pin. Uh, he made it. He made it two. Although I don't know, would we go three three there? We did. We went no. No, oh, I bogeyed. Yeah, yeah. I, we went three yeah. four. I was in a little bit of meltdown mode towards the end there, went, and I bogeyed. So we <laughs> instead of 34, we had 43, and they had like 23. So they went up. They went up there going into 18. So that's kind of how the game works. You're ne you're never out of it. I think Tim that one time we played at at uh, the jewel against Zach and Chris, we, we were down and Tim also made a birdie on 17 and he, uh, it was like, like a 70 some pointer. So I tell you what, if Tim ever gets on tour and he can get to Sawgrass for the players championship, those guys are fucked. Oh, it's money. He, oh, it's money. If he can hang in contention. <laughs> what did you guys think of the golf course North Fork yesterday? I thought it looked good. Uh, it was in, it was in great condition. I know it's, mid mid spring season now but we really haven't gotten spring so i was pretty impressed with the course uh what they're doing with those homes is is atrocious you think they'd at least find uh an architect group that would give them some variety other than the siding color on holes uh what two three four um but uh other than other than that it always a, a good test for just a, a is it privately run or is it city run i don't know i think it's privately run i'm not sure yeah. i like it except for two holes there's two holes 14 and 15 just don't <laughs> fit the golf course like i can't wrap my brain around it not to mention on 14 i slipped and almost fell over and the snap hook went left <laughs> for a lost ball and on 15 i hit one i thought it was gonna be ob it was it was in play but between a fucking fence walkway anyway um, but those two holes don't fit, but what I like about it is it's always in good shape. Um, you know, the front nine, obviously it's not a real links golf course. There aren't any in Minnesota. There's like four in the whole country, but, um, the front nine is routed like that. So you go out, like we went out, you know, four or five holes and you are downwind every hole. And then you, except for that one little par three, and then you turn right back into it and you come into the wind the whole way back in, you are into it. So it kind of plays like a, it's routed somewhat like a real you know scottish like links golf course where you go out and back in so yeah, we, had, we had a stretch there we had to knife some low ones into the wind yeah you know you're early in the season and you're playing these shots that you know that you 
typically will have in your bag, you know, middle of the summer when you actually played a few rounds, but we'd have to, we had to do some carving. We had to do some ball flighting as they want to call it some different kind of shots. And uh, I don't know, it felt it, it, it makes for some, some um, fun, creative golf. I mean, you're trying to hit, you know, the postage stamp We're hitting eight irons and nine irons, 110 yards, just to try to keep it in play. It felt like kind of like that sawgrass where it's like, you got to find a way to keep it on a small um, radius of a green with a challenging wind and just kind of get creative uh, instead of trying to overswing something. So I thought it was fun as far as my own game. I think the one area that I need my take, my big takeaway with my game right now is I really, I just haven't had the time to work on any short games. So it's, I just don't have the usual confidence I do with short game shots. You know, I don't, I don't have the confidence to flip one up or to try these things that I normally would be doing in the middle of summer. I just, I think I could still do them, but I don't have the confidence to do them. That's part of it. Like I just, just haven't put any time to do it. And then putting obviously is always a, a mind game when you're putting with, with lots of wind because you're thinking about things and your body's shaking, the ball's oscillating and you're uh, trying to try to hit a knockdown or a little, a knee knocker, you know, four footer with a little bit of pressure on it as can be tough. So what about you guys? I don't know if they cut the rough out there yet, to be quite yeah. honest. I, mean, I thought my short game was pretty good, especially in the Carolinas and get back and, Oh, it seems like I couldn't couldn't catch a lie. Not that I put myself where the good lies were gonna be. <laughs> Especially if you hit the fairway, you get a better lie. I was not there to experiment. Just blame but, the clubs. Blame the clubs. You're playing somebody else's clubs. That's that's true. Yeah, Delta Delta didn't get my get my clubs on on the flight quite on time, and then <laughs> I think they missed their second flight, and they finally got in today. So uh, they're back, which is is great. Um, but I just, I didn't knew, I didn't know what I was doing out there playing 14 clubs. Um, all my, all my, all my low ball flight clubs were, were in my bag. <laughs> I was, I, other than on the, other than the two, the two, uh, flighted ones that went like 40 yards over the green somehow, <laughs> which I don't, I still can't figure that out either. I should have hit a normal one, I guess, up high into the wind. I was fine. I thought I was fine until I slipped on, on 14 and just hit one straight left after I let left foot went flying out of my swing. Then she derailed a little bit there. Yeah, that's I think little I mean we all we all showed some flashes, I think. That's kind of the takeaway. We all had some good shots. We got off the tee fairly okay. I mean, there wasn't, you know, it's just it was just putting a full round together in, in some difficult wind and and I, I, the short game is just so difficult. Even trying to get, you know, down, down, wind, down putts, you know, how much do you give it? How much do you hit it? So the firm and fast uh, makes yeah. things a little difficult, but if regardless, if I, if I can roll, if I roll the rock, if I'm rolling in long putts now, granted a couple of these were for a few of these were for par from like 40 some feet. After and, and some shitty chip shots and some other shitty shots. <laughs> Um, it's going to be a good year if I could roll in some putts with that. Actually, that's the one takeaway I have is that two takeaways. I, I, I think I'm pretty confident now hitting the flighted driver pretty straight. Like and then, um, actually I might actually try this year to read putts. And I did yesterday a decent <laughs> amount, like go around. Like I hate my biggest thing. You should obviously read them from multiple spots, but I, it seems like you're playing so slow. Then I, I hate that. I just want to, play fast but it does it does it's definitely beneficial i suppose my uh my one big takeaway is that uh it it is in the equipment and i need mike's clubs um 
Good, good segue into what's in the bag. <laughs> yeah, the yeah. Uh, the uh, seven the seven X shaft driver over there, yeah, just yeah. right down the pipe. Yep, absolutely. absolutely. Oh, so and and the wedge and the wedge just yeah, banging yeah. it off the pin from forty yards. Yep. Let's let's segment into that. So we had a we had a, a listener wanted to know real quick what's in our bag. So we thought we'd do that as we uh, before we get into um, some of the PGA Tour stuff. So, um, Timmy, do you want to start with what's in your bag? Well, sure. It goes into the cheating with Tim segment as well. Um, no one counts. No one ever counts how many clubs are in your bag. You so be here all night, listeners. Carry, carry what you want. Um, so I, I start with some of the the head covers that I that I have that I try to pick up on some of the top 100 courses. So uh, just added a Tobacco Road. I'm gonna take the um, the Shadow Creek out. It's looking a little little dirty because it's white, uh, and then also have a Payne's Valley on there as well. Um, as well as my old school, just tiger head cover from, I think I picked that up in 2004 and it's still in the bag somehow hasn't broken apart, but under those head covers, I've got, uh, two different Cobra drivers, uh, the F nine with a hazardous smoke shaft, uh, extra stiff, and then a, uh, speed zone with a cut down hazardous smoke stiff shaft to make it extra stiff. That's cut down to three wood length. And I, uh, have that in there to hit it off the deck. Mike's seen that in action a couple times. Works <laughs> fairly well. Um, I've got a Callaway Epic uh, Flash three wood, um, another hazardous shaft in that, uh, and then a old Titleist H one, I believe, two iron. Uh, the Nike Vapor three iron. Um, come to find out, played with a guy in in uh, North Carolina, Tobacco Road the first foam filled irons were those vapors. So, uh, pre, pre, uh, tailor-made. So, uh, coming down, I've got a combo set of MP 18s, uh, with the MCCs as the four, five, and six, and the traditional blades from seven to pitching wedge. Um, then I've got a Mira 50, 55 and 60 degree, uh, wedge. And finally have a Myrtle Beach uh, head cover, Charleston head cover, South Carolina theme head cover on the death orange with death grip uh, tailor-made putter as my putting is the death of my game. Um, and then finally have a, a Jones bag that matches Mike's perfectly for all of our team events. It was not intended, oh, yeah. more of an accident uh, that has my name on it so we can we can help distinguish things between our, our two bags other than the 14 to 15 clanking bag tags I have on any one point in time, 26 clubs and 25 bag tags. <laughs> it's a heavy, it is a heavy <laughs> game out there. People I have back problems just thinking about how heavy my bag is. Yes. All right, Mike, what you got? You want me to go? All right. Um, I'm actually looking up the exact name of my irons right now, but um, <laughs> I have a Sim TaylorMade Sim 2 driver um, with a uh, Ventus Velicor 7X extra stiff shaft on it that I got off the uh, tour van last year at the 3M. The dark thanks. web. <laughs> somebody, yeah, the dark web. Thanks, everybody, Chris. Um, so that one's pretty boardy. Tim liked it. Tim hit it straight. We got him in the big boy equipment yesterday, and look what happened. Yep. Um, yep. we're going to rock head covers, I have the, uh, Muni kids, Andy Warhol, uh, version of Arnold Palmer smoking a cigarette. 
on that one. Uh, three wood. You'll love this one. This is a vintage club. This is a Nike Vapor Pro three wood. Uh, it's got tons of lead tape on it, some of which is starting to fall off. That one's got a uh, Fujikura speeder. That's an X stiff as well. I don't know. I use that club about 10 times a year. That's why I never seem to buy a new one because I never hit three wood. Uh, I got a two iron, a tailor-made P790. Uh, also an X stiff um, oh, smoke shaft on that one. Uh, irons are Mizuno, JPX, what are those, Tim, 990s? Tour. Uh, 919s. Nine, 919 tours, whatever. I don't know. I, $400, I, I, $400 Mike. <laughs> when I uh, when I went and got fitted for them, they, they kept trying to talk me into blades, you know, which I had been playing, but I told them I'm too old, so I don't do the blades anymore. Um, wedges, I have a 52, a 56, and a 60-degree Vokies um, SM8s. I think they have new nines this year, but I have the eights uh and the like gunmetal black uh irons and wedges i add an inch in length because i'm six five i was watching video yesterday and i'm still like the hunchback in Notre dame it looks like so we're gonna have to, we're gonna have to we're gonna we're gonna have to work on the posture uh and the putter i have is the uh, original like all black spider that dustin johnson used to have with the black grip black everything black shaft black everything um yeah that's what's in the bag Nice, nice. Well, for me, I kind of got a mixed bag. I got uh, I got the M4 driver, so I haven't really updated that in a while. I just figure it still goes fairly straight and goes fairly long, so I don't really, I don't really mess with stuff if it works. I'm not, a, I'm not a tinker. I just kind of hit what I, what I got. Um, I've got a um, Ping G400 three wood, and the reason why is I had a TaylorMade. I just could not get in the air. I kept duck hooking, so this one steps up better. I feel like I can hit higher. Um, I kind of use it. I don't like to hit it off the tee, but I like to use it for coming into to, uh, par fives. I just feel like I can get in the air. I've kept this in my bag forever. It's a tailor-made burner, like 19 degree. And I just like, it's a hybrid and I like hitting it out of the rough and I like hitting it like soft into par fives. Like if I have to hit something like 220 and I have to hit a high, I'll hit a little, uh, uh, hybrid, into that green. I don't hit it off the tee ever either. So it just kind of sits in my bag for certain types of shots. And then I added this Rixon ZX two iron, um, hit it twice yesterday, hit it pure both times. So that was exciting. I'm kind of excited about maybe using that club more off the tee if I need it. Got, uh, I was for, I should go back real quick. Uh, I got a shout out to uh, lucky hop golf company. They hooked me up with some, um, uh, head covers from some break 80 head covers. So those guys made those up. So shout out to those guys. Into the irons, I've got the, I think, pitching wedge all the way up to, or, or down to, however you want to say it, to four iron uh, Cal Apex irons. I've got the, I've got a kind of a random, uh, a PXG 52 degree. Um, I guess I don't know quite the ins and outs of it, but it, I hit it fairly decent. So it, it's, um, I don't know, kind of use it for kind of a, a tweener between my, my pitching wedge. And then I have a 56 uh, degree is is I don't have a 60. So that's my only other wedge is my 52 and 56. I just kind of open it up as a 60 if I need it. And that is an SM8 Volky uh, wedge. And then I've got my tailor-made spider that needs to make more putts. Um, I used to call it Charlie Buckets because uh, I saw Charlie Woods uses it. And uh, 
it's not making many buckets lately. So you'll have, no. you have to switch over to Mike's putter with me too. We're just all going to play <laughs> off Mike's putter. Yeah. Yeah. It's hot. Yeah, yeah, Jeff, it was super Jeff, hot. Jeff was in a rough place there, right about, right about the turn yesterday. We were in a rough place for a little while. I was that, that, that <laughs> was frustrating was the, uh, at the turn I hit, I was kind of grinding. I was only three over going into total nine, you know, so all I need to do is par it. And I, and I hit a, hit a four iron that I thought I could hit, you know, it was 200 yards. I thought in the layup and you know, everything's going like three clubs short. So I thought I'd maximize it so I can get a nice little low wedge into the green. And it went into the somehow got all the way to the water. So I think I'm going to blame that one on my caddy. <laughs> so anyways, we got back and, and, you know, putter is the one thing that can get me kind of riled up. Cause it's, it's just kind of frustrating when you get a good shot and you can't reward it. That, that's frustrating. Anyways, uh, let's, let's, well, let's transition. Uh, let's, let's talk a little bit of uh, guys that are really good at golf because this week in the PGA tour, I saw more birdies than, um, than pars. And it was incredible to me that basically if you made par, you're actually losing ground on the field. Uh, we didn't get anybody to 30. I thought we would get somebody to 30 under this, this week and we didn't, but it was birdie or bust uh, pressures to make birdies to the max cage. league goes back to back, um, which I thought was super impressive because you know, it's one thing to go back to back on like, a, a you know, like, like uh, Sam Burns did at Valspar where it's, you know, kind of a tough track and you, you got to make your way around and you got to make pars here and there, but to do it on like a course, that's ridiculously easy for the best players in the world is almost, I mean, it's unbelievable to me. I, I don't know how he found a way to win that. The PGA tour should be ashamed of themselves for putting this event at TPC Craig Rant. Give me a break. KH Lee is 51 under the last two years. This is not like a hot one-year deal. This course is a, is a fucking putt-putt course. I mean, come on. Xander Shoffley, the last 49 holes was 26 under. Not for the whole tournament, the last 49 holes. There's got to be something better around there. Has to be. Even... Christ play colonial twice who cares at least they got to shape some shots and what and hit you know hit some shots this is the joke to me Tim what'd you yeah, think of it there's a lot of better private courses down there uh, Lone Star's down there Trinity there's there's so many different places to play in the Dallas area that are phenomenal golf courses but I you go back to kind of the TPC way of things the the guys on tour don't like to, to get busted up by courses. Um, yeah. It goes back to kind of the early Pete die era when the ball didn't go as far, it was spinnier and they got eaten up by every die course that they played. Um, obviously the technology and the swings have changed a little bit and that doesn't happen anymore, but the guys simply hate to get beat up in the same way that uh, we're out here playing in Minnesota right now, the tour could make, a, a decision to play in not the most pristine weather at a lot of these places if they so chose, but they don't. And it's it's easy, yeah, it's, it's easy to find wind in, in, you know, the upper Midwest late spring. So keep it in the summer and, and reduce the wind. It's a money grab too. They, but they own the TPC, you know, they, they own the network or whatever. And all these courses can say, we host it. We host a tour event, blah, blah, blah. You know, 80% of the courses they play are TPC courses, something like that in the schedule. You look at look at Minnesota. TPC Twin Cities, if it isn't, if the weather is nice, will be something like Craig Ranch. Maybe not quite as bad, but it'll be 20 under. 
is going to win. It's not hard. It's easy. They could, they could put it out at Winsong, and it could be a way better venue for a PGA Tour event than TPC Twin Cities. Like Craig Ratch, like they, I think they tried Trinity a few years ago, and the players didn't like it. That's, yeah, a, core, I, that's a core Crenshaw, right? They tried that for two or three years, didn't they? Yeah. But, like, Craig Ranch, I mean, come on. That's just, that's too, it's, I have no problem with low scores or the best players in the world, but it's like when, when Scotty Scheffler shoots three under the last round on a Sunday and is just getting blitzed, you know, it doesn't even make a dent that what in the world. And you got to know as a player too, like showing up to a venue that like, I mean, you know, that you, you have to make birdies or you're out. I mean, that's got to feel like, I I don't know how Xander Shoffley was able to mentally turn that around. I mean, he would, he made it on the cut. He made, you know, he's even par after a Thursday. Then he was five under, made it on the cut. And to even like show up on Saturday, even thinking that you could even be in the tournament had to be, you know what I mean? Like you are behind and you better either go 29 under 49 holes or you don't even, you know, sniff a chance. So it's one of those things. It's like, you got to either make every 14 footer you have for, for an opportunity. And if you don't, you got to know that you're losing, you know, ground on the field. And so. I don't know, as a player, I feel like you might have a chance if you're not as good because you get on heater. But if you're a good player, you know, I, I, I found that the, the leaderboard was actually, you know, had one of the some, most of the top players on it, which surprised me some because a lot of the times you get in these shootouts, the good players are good at making par when they have to. You know, they're, they can hit obviously good shots and make birdies too, but they probably want it more of a, a difficult course if they're showing up. It was a good leaderboard, but I wonder if part of the reason is – they're locked in now getting ready for a major. So they're out there, you know, they're in full go mode ready for this week. Um, trying to get things all ready to go, but yeah. I don't. But even so, so like, you know, getting ready for a major, is it like, do you want to go play a course that you need to make, you know, 40 birdies on to, to win? Or do you want to play something that kind of gets you, I got to get up and down here. I got to work on, you know, these kinds of shots. It's, it just seems like it's kind of a circus. Yeah, I don't know. Does nothing. I, I don't mind. I don't mind the tour pros going low. They're going to do that at a lot of golf courses because they're the best players in the world. But like, to, if you it, that has to be for if we throw out like the non, you know, the opposite field events, it has to be the lowest like back to back like two year on tour. I would have to think the cut yeah. was five under. There's <laughs> some John Deere classic ones that get pretty darn low. But that's a, a symptom of that course being a little too short now for for the tour. Well, maybe it's one of those things where if you guys don't have you ever heard of the old theory, you know, play the forward tees before a tournament, you know, get some confidence, make some birdies, and then maybe that's what it is. You know, yeah. just get yourself, you know, see a couple roll in, and that's all you need to see. Move it up a bit. That be, yeah, that could be a, a thing. So, um, you know, KH Lee, uh, I don't know. I, I didn't, you know, I watched a little bit Sunday, the, the, the replay after we played, and, I mean, he basically hit every shot he needed to hit. I, I don't think he had a I don't think he had a bogey in the card. Um, what the the hole though was you know kind of showed me the nuts on you know that he was 17 when he had to like stand in the bunker with collapsing sand and find a stance and he you know basically puts it to 10 12 feet and then jars it for par knowing that Spieth is behind him one down. He made a couple big par putts I think in the round. So credit to him I, I mean i don't know much about him because he shows up twice a year but you know well do you think he's going to get to his goal of being the number one golfer in the world and the number one sexiest golfer in the world 
I think he's got a better chance of being sexiest golfer in the world, to be honest. I don't know. You know, I, I, I always have a soft spot in my heart for a guy with a little bit of man boobs. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, you know, just for personal, just for personal experience. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't just think about that. He got, he has got back to back five year, whatever they get exemptions on the PGA tour. And he's that has done nothing in other events, basically uh, off this, off of this golf course. That's the way it's raw. That's the way the, the tour works. Get a W and you're set for a few, you know, set for, for a while. So. And KH, I mean, if you're, if you're out there, if you're number one in Mike's mind, you are buddy. <laughs> you are buddy. Well, on his heels was the golden boy. Mike's favorite player, Jordan Spieth. Uh, I know Tim and I were pulling for him. God. We're Spieth guys. We're Spieth truthers. But, you know, he just did Spieth. You know, he's he's obviously playing playing better. He's He seems like he's more in control of his clubs. He's, you know, short game is always there. He makes par when he needs to. We just haven't had one of those Spieth moments yet, like a hole up for bunker. You know, or something that 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 he does on a late Sunday to kind of get him, you know, get the crowd riled up. He made birdie, but everybody else was. So it wasn't really, you know, speed speed moments that he had in 2015, where he seemed to just magically do it all the time. I'm gonna save my main speed thing here for speed thing for the absurdities at the end because there was an absurd moment to me. But the other thing that is that could be an absurdity is who the hell is designing clothes for Under Armour? <laughs> that person, like, how can they not go to Nike or like a Travis Matt or some one of these other companies that makes nice looking golf clothes and say, okay, we're not going to poach your top guy, but who's second in charge? We're going to give him a pay raise and, and we're going to get some actual golf clothes for the number eight ranked golfer in the world. Cause he always looks like, how far can you go with the block color, the block color scheme all the time? Like that's, so, I don't get it. So some fun insight on Under Armour. They, they lost a bunch of money through the pandemic they didn't do sports leisure stuff they they kind of missed the trend there and they originally had put out like Kohl's and a couple of the other lower end stores to sell their stuff well they took all that out they're all back on their own stores they're moving back online and their whole goal is for for 2022-2023 to go back to their roots as being a athletic brand company so no sports leisure poaching athletes so we might even see more athletes on under armor in the following following few months or the next year as they continue to to poach athletes and use them as their really their brand ambassadors and marketing kh lee you need do you need an agent a new agent i'm your guy <laughs> I, 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 I think i think they're gonna go with more likely an athletic body and i think <laughs> i mean i don't even think jordan <laughs> necessarily has the most athletic body on on tour out of one of the, the pros but again that's that's what the, the 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 way under armor is going right now so unfortunately mike i don't i don't think anyone's going to necessarily poach jordan as I, I think they're ramping up their budget to get more athletes here in the years to come i think i think under armor needs to poach a designer from another company to design these that, clothes. that and, would be and fair. a hat designer can you can you do anything other than just giant bold under armor scripting or under armor logo anything just can you, you know, try something? I actually think actually it's not it's now starting to grow on me with Spieth wearing it because it's just like I just think he's oblivious to all of it, how he even looks. I just you know it's just he just kind of seems like the guy that will just wear what you want him to. You know, he's there to play golf. Um, 
I don't think I want Jordan Spieth looking cool on the golf course. I think I just kind of like him where, how he is and where he's at. I think there's just something about him just showing up on a Sunday looking like that. I like it. Like the new is Under Armour now so bold or non-bold. They're so boring that they're bold, right? All these big graphics are out. We're into yeah. this, the small logo Grayson stuff or the, the giant logo Bad Birdie stuff. And here's Under Armour still rocking dual colors. Maybe yeah. they're, they're onto something. They're the only individual left. I think they've just I, or 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 they've just fucking given up. They're like, <laughs> they're like, let's go on Microsoft Word here. What can we find for? Uh, oh, Times New Times New Roman. Let's go with that scripting and throw it on. I there. think they're more of an aerial black kind of company. <laughs> I think <laughs> big bold. Well, bringing it back to Speed's game, I just what do you you know? We're we're going to talk a little bit about the PGA Championship next week. I I don't. He still kind of may, you know, every once in a while does a, does a putter slip up, you know, on a, on a shorter putt. But yeah. I mean, he hit lights out with his irons. He's getting, I think he was strokesing off the tee, like T eight this week. I mean, he's stuffing wedges, you know, right at the hole. His distance control is unbelievable right now. Like he's kind of a PGA, you know, course setup guy. He's, you know, he's got sneaky length with good irons and, Obviously, he can can roll in a putt from you know 15, 20 feet too. So I don't know. He's kind of rounding into form. He yeah, I think he's interesting because he's has played well, but he's he's done this. He did this a little bit last year. Like I don't know. He's so weird. It's not like it's not like you know four years ago or whatever when he was when he was number one in the world or whatever it was. You know he's he's up to eighth, but he's still like I have. I don't know. The pre-shot routine is so wild to me that it's like he's there's no way you can still trust it. Can you with that? I don't get it, but whatever. It's, it's working. Even that's growing on me. I'm just, I'm embracing George. <laughs> right now. The, the, I first thought I go, what is he doing? And then now that I see it, I kind of find myself kind of doing a little bit with him. Yeah. Well, uh, who knows? Maybe he's back. Well, speaking of speed three uh, championship week, PGA championship week, Southern Hills, uh, you know, another major week for, for a year. Exciting time. You guys want to talk about the course a little bit? Yeah, not a good, not a good time if you're into cheap beer. <laughs> as yeah, uh, as the uh I believe the what was it, Tim? $18 for a Michelob Ultra at Southern Eight, Southern Hills. Eight, 18 and uh 19 for the mixed drinks. So the um uh the recommendation is always to go mixed drinks if they're going to be equal priced, more bang for your buck. <laughs> I feel like that price point doesn't match Oklahoma real well. No, Maybe no, I, I wouldn't say it does. I've only been to Oklahoma City, but uh, can still get a drink in Oklahoma City for five, six bucks. So Justin Thomas commented today. He was wondering if it cured, cured cancer, the beer prices. So uh, yeah. Southern Hills. Yeah, I think. The, the cool thing about Southern Hills that to me, and it's been redone by Gil Hans, but um, it's been like renovated is a designer named Perry Maxwell, who people I think who follow golf course design and stuff know is going to get a lot of credit this week. This is kind of his, like he's got a bunch of courses, but this is his gem. Um, and he's a guy who, um, is like your average guy's architect. Tim, you want you Tim, you want to go into his background at all? You know, you know anything about his uh, background? 
I got a little bit. Yeah. So, so I think that the biggest thing was, was kind of the tutelage, right? The, the Scottish influences as he worked with, um, uh, sorry, pulling it up over here, worked uh, closely with Alistair McKenzie, um, and really had, had kind of, and we see this a lot with architects, uh, just coming up under, under someone else, uh, learning under someone else and working closely with someone else to pull some of the, the habits, some of the, the designs and, and learn their way around. So, um, so Max built his, his or sorry, uh, Maxwell built his first nine holes, Dorna Kills Golf and Country Club in, in Adamore. So, uh, again, coming from, from overseas uh, with his first design over here, granted, born in Kentucky, um, but first golf course design uh, overseas and bringing some of what he learned um, with, with others here. Dornick Hills started as a four. He laid out four holes on his dairy farm. Um, he, yeah, so a lot of Scottish influence, but I think his wife, the story goes, showed him some or some magazine article or something about golf, something. He's a banker. He was like a banker by trade. He had, he was not like, this was not his job to begin with. And he went to national golf links and met with CB McDonald and talked, they talked golf. He comes back and lays out four holes at, on his dairy farm that he owned also. And that turned into Dornick Hills and it had the first grass greens in Oklahoma. Everything else was sand. Like they oil it. It's like an oil sand mixture, which by the way, shout out to Godwick, Minnesota. I've played a lot of nine hole rounds on sand greens. It's no longer there. Um, but yeah, Alistair McKenzie. Um, so once he got into it, uh, you know, this was like 19, God, like 1919, he went and met with CD McDonald or something like that. So in the twenties, he was a small timer, but um, he got in with McKenzie and he might have the greatest list of renovated courses where he was par- helper renovating of anybody ever. Augusta in 1937. He, he's, he, he renovated the 10th hole, which Corin Crenshaw has, or, you know, Ben Crenshaw said is one of the best renovation jobs ever. He renovated Pine Valley before that, actually in 1933. He also renovated National Golf Links and Marion in 1938. Um, not to mention he was Crystal Downs with McKenzie. So he's got a major list here of courses. Um, Tim's favorite one because it's got his initials, the Old Town Club. It's a great logo. It's fantastic. Yeah, it and a, a fantastic logo. design. Fantastic it is. That's, design. That, that's him. So he's got Southern Hills. His big ones that are kind of just him are Southern Hills, which you'll see this week, Old Town Club, uh, Prairie Dunes, which is with his son, I guess, also, but possibly the saddest story in golf. Yeah, yeah, and in the middle of nowhere, but a great golf course. And then Colonial, which you'll see here on tour in a few weeks, um, whenever that is. That's also, I think he might have renovated an original layout or something, but he's credited with like most of the work there. So he's like a one of the all-time greats, but to me, you never hear, you know, you hear about the McKenzie's and the McDonald's and the Rainers and Pete dies and, but you don't hear a lot about Perry Maxwell, which is kind of crazy. For those listeners that do want a chance to go play a Maxwell design, he did give back. So there's 
there's obviously a couple of university courses that other folks have done as well, but he did the University of Michigan golf course in Ann Arbor. The With Ohio McKenzie. State, yep. And Ohio State University golf course in Columbus with McKenzie. Um, but it's something a little bit more local. Did the Iowa State University golf you're course all, in Ames. Your alma mater. My alma mater, yep. It did go down and play it. It is interesting. Um, I, I couldn't tell you if everything was quite kept up to to, to date on it. If, if they kind of kept the, 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 routing, the routing is original whether or not the greens have shrunk or uh, enlarged over time, I I'm not sure. Um, but it is certainly an interesting course. It's very tree lined, has a lot of, of dog legs, uh, elevation changes. It is, is an interesting and, and fun ride. So um, if anyone's looking to play one that's close by Minneapolis area would recommend heading down, heading down that way uh, to go check out Iowa state's, golf course it's called uh it's called vinker so vinker and iowa state but definitely one of the greats of golf architecture uh without a question and i don't don't know why he's and again i don't know if he's little known to you know the people that are really in the know but i think to the general public you've never heard of him maybe people haven't heard of any good designer i don't know but um he doesn't necessarily have the templates you know like mcdonald and rayner but he's got uh, I think that the general deal with his courses are, are undulating greens, you know, not like a super severe, like a winged foot, just a, a lot of undulations to them, uh, which could put some players in some precarious positions this week. They have been redone um, by Gil Hans, but yeah, that's, uh, that's Perry Maxwell. A lot of Oklahoma. Course, yeah. The, the course is 7,500 yards, I believe. And only has two par fives, yeah, both par over 70, yards. Par 70. Yep. Yep. And has been playing, th- will play 300 yards longer than it did in 2007. So they've added some things there. And then um, looking at the forecast, it appears that we're going to get a little bit of rain. A little, I think the weather is going to be mostly Thursday, Friday. And I'm kind of worried about possibility of having a wave that might sim- not, not maybe as bad as the sawgrass, because there could be some severe weather. I think it's a late Friday that could push them into more Saturday again, depending on how much weather they get. And then Saturday looks okay. And then Sunday actually looks like the best, best weather week of them all, weather day of them all of the week. So other than that, uh, anything else on the course before we get to our picks? It's a lot different golf course than 2007. Um, when, when Tiger won uh, there, when it was 100 degrees every day, you know, guys were sweating balls out there. Um, they have removed, Gil Hans removed a ton of trees. Um, and then he uh, redid a lot of the bunkering. The bunkering on TV right now looks epically great. And he um, added some of, some of the undulations back to the greens and they shaved down. You know, in 2007, if you missed a green, it was a lot of rough. That's not what it is this time. It's runoff areas. If you miss a green, it's going to go down a ways. Um, they've shaved a lot of the stuff around the greens, but it's definitely a different golf course than 2007. All right. Well, let's get into who we think is going to play well this week because we've been doing our picks. I believe, Tim, let's, we, never, we never discussed our picks for the uh, Byron, and 
probably because oh, yeah. Tim, Tim, Tim won. He's got four Tim now. He took Scheffler. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a low bar to beat you two. Our guys, yeah. our guys missed a cut, but and then you took Scheffler. What a fucking week! By by one, we missed a cut by one shot. Yeah. So we've we've redone the picks though. We this is we yeah. decided that Tim's up. Tim's got four. I have two. Jeff is still at the big donut. But we're gonna reverse this, and the last place guy gets to pick first. So that means Jeff gets to go first. And we're gonna pick a winner and a sleeper this week. We yep. figure a major week. We can't just. We gotta kind of expand a little bit on on our picks so i'll start with my sleeper I'm, I'm going more off of not course history i'm going more off of recent form i'm going off of uh getting off the t well hitting irons well you're gonna have to do that this week uh not known to be a great putter but i don't think you need to really you know pot it great to to win every tournament so i'm going cam young i know we've talked a little bit about him on the pod uh it's my guy uh, i'm actually going team hesitation i just realized I'm going team <laughs> Hezzy this week. I'm going team Hezzy. I want that pause. I want to, as long as we got a little bit of rhythm, I think we're going to be, because my, my pick to win is Hideki. Okay. So I'm going, I'm just going team pause. Um, so yeah, just going back to Cam Young a little bit. I just think he, I, I mean, I think his last two, two tournaments, I think he's T2 and T3 or something like that. So I mean, you can't hard to argue recent form. I think he's got some swagger coming. I don't know how he's going to perform at a, you know, as a rookie on a major. That's one thing I'm kind of worried about. But I love, uh, you know. I love me some Cam Young. You stole my sleeper. Um, I, I, yeah, I, 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 I again, the putting has to hold up for him, but he he's good. He's damn good. Yeah, uh, I think I think his I think his overall demeanor fits a major too. Like I think you got to have that kind of doesn't seem to get too high, doesn't seem to get too low. Um, just kind of plods his way around, rips at it, you know, hits his ball wherever it goes and, and goes to the next shot. So he's going to be my sleeper. And then like I did mention Hideki, uh, last week he, I mean, has anybody hit a, a three wood into a green like Hideki? Um, I just, I don't know how many times he's actually going to have to hit that three wood into his, into the green or five wood or whatever he's hitting. Cause there's only two par fives, but I feel like if anybody can reach it, it's Hideki. Uh, yeah. he's just. He's kind of weird. He just seems to pop up. He doesn't, you know, he gets kind of hot and time to time, but he just, he'll kind of have a lull. And then all of a sudden he's hot. I mean, and when he's hot, he's, he's hot. So I, I'm just going to ride him. I'm just kind of one of those guys that I just find a guy that played well and I'm going to, I'm going to go after it. It's not really necessarily working because I'm haven't found a winner yet. But, <laughs> the but the analytics go coming out of Jeff's team. Just... Yeah. We're, just, we're desperate. We're, we're just clawing for anything. So yeah, I might as well. Have you have you done any tarot card reads or tarot card. you know? Tarot card. <laughs> I'm gonna just have to do a put them in a hat and random name pick. kind of if it doesn't work this week. We're gonna think of something. Well, Cam Young is my guy. Last week I said this guy in a couple of years within is gonna be a top ten player. I I truly believe that. I think he's that good. All, All right, right. My, my turn. And by the way, we're designating a sleeper as top twenty outside the top 25. So I'm going to take a grinder, the ultimate grinder as my sleeper. He's barely outside the top 25 at top at number 28. So we're going with, we're, we're going with the kids, Kevin Kisner. The guy just gets the ball in the hole somehow. And that's who we're going to take. But if I were to tell you guys that this guess, uh, let's guess this player last eight PGA championships. Here's the f- finishing position. T two. 
T29, first, first, T13, T4, T5, T15. Who's the player? He won or one and one. It, it's not. It's not Kevin Kisner. No, it's not. That's that was my sleeper. This is my big. Say, okay, okay. That, yeah, I didn't, I didn't catch the transition there. It's, it's um, not Rory. Yeah, okay, no. so he won. I'll read them for you again. Last year, T two, then T twenty nine, then one, then one the year before that. T thirteen, T four, T five, T fifteen. Kepka. Now, Kepka. It's yeah, yeah. Kepka. I was going to pick Kepka. This was going to be my pick. Look at that history at, at the PGA Championship. He's easily the best PGA Championship field player, but he, he withdrew last week. I'm not sure why. Is he hurt? I, we don't know. It's not, you know, that's the one shitty thing about the tour. It's like they should be like the NFL where they tell you what the injury is. Is he hurt or did no. he just? He's not hurting on money with those $18 Michelob no. Ultras. Speaking of money, here we go. I got I got a number for you. I was gonna throw out there. Speaking of money, Kepka since 2017 in the majors only has made three thousand two hundred and thirty-two dollars per shot. He's made a lot of money in the majors in the last five years. Um, I'd make a lot of money if they're paying me per shot, by the way. <laughs> but yeah. um, so I wish they is he I don't I can't pick him. Is he hurt? I mean, he hasn't played great. Is he hurt or did he just, or he just he's like, oh, it's TPC, Craig Ranch, and it's going to be 2500 This isn't my fucking kind of course. You know, I'm here to win majors. I don't know. He's a tough read. He, he does. He seems to do this. But here's the thing. You know, he seems he's kind of the classic player that he'll just kind of find a way. He'll just in this major. It's a major season. He just refocuses. You know, he's just going to all of a sudden birdie the first two holes and he's back in it. He's going to start grinding. But it would not I surprise me once if he went that he, if he wins wouldn't surprise me at all. I mean, I think he no makes idea. the cut for you at least. Yep. Here's my next. Here's my next guy that uh, Scotty Scheffler has. Uh, he's third in greens and regulation this year on tour. Seventeenth in strokes gained approach, which is big this week. He won the Big Twelve Championship in 2015 at you guessed it Southern Hills before the re- renovation. He shot 64 supposedly last week, playing just one ball the whole round in a practice round. He's the number one ranked player in the world. He's hot. I think his game suits the golf course. If he misses a green, he's got a good short game, but I can't pick him because <laughs> Jeff, Jeff left the door open and I hate to do it. I hate, especially with my, with the absurd absurdity set thing coming up later, but I'm about winning guys. I am about winning. I'm gonna, I don't give a shit if it's guy I don't like. So I'm going with the golden child, Jeff. Speeth. I did not see that coming. Speeth is my guy. Je- Tim was going to take him, so I stole him, Tim, too. We got to cut oh, catch great. him. Speeth is my guy. And let me tell you why. Uh, Southern Hills, in the, on the redesign, wide fairways. They widen the fairways. And... Um, the rough is only about two and a half inches long, supposedly. So getting off the tee, you can spray it a little bit, which we all know Spieth does. Uh, this is going to be a second shot golf course, and especially with elevated greens uh, that are shaved down. If you miss a green, it's going to take some creativity. And I will give the Golden Boy credit. The Golden Boy gets it in the hole. Um, 
So we're going to take speed. And the other thing about Southern Hills is there's not a flat lie. It's kind of like Augusta. You get a lot of wonky lies and things undulate and flat. So I'm going to pull the shocker for all the listeners and, and the other guys in the podcast. And I'm going to go against everything I really believe in and take the whiner that is Jordan Spieth to win this thing. That's out of left field. I didn't see that coming. <laughs> As we've said many times, we sell out on this podcast. We do. We are here to, we are here to win. We are here to win. <laughs> so wait, who's your sleeper then? Is Kepka has Kepka fallen that Kisner. low? No, Kisner's no, Kiz, Kisner, baby, Kiz. Oh, okay. okay. I've got, so I got, I got forward. two of the, I got two of the ultimate get it in the hole anyway possible players. Oh, jeez. Well, that that is okay because because I'm up and uh, we're going for for two two hometown favorites. Right. You can, you can take your stats, Jeff. I don't know how you pick them yet. So buddy, I'm not sure. Um, but I am picking the, the Oklahoma boys. Well, the Oklahoma state boys, uh, first up is Taylor Gooch. Um, not, not a huge driver of the golf ball, not a ton of distance, but is at 69th for his driver ranking, which is nice. Um, he, he does have uh, the number one Eagle stat, though, and I, I figured a lot of the par fours on this course are going to be playing like par fives. So I need someone to get out there and, and make birdies on these, these very, very long uh, par fours uh, and an Oklahoma uh, state grad. So he's, he's familiar with the course. He's played it before. Um, he's familiar with the heat, the conditions out there. Uh, and I think he's got a, a chance to do it as, as my sleeper and probably the biggest sleeper out of, out of the group, out of what I'm hearing. Um, and then the second one, a guy that's going to be literally coming in from his daily commute to the course, he's going to be sleeping at home. Um, another Oklahoma state grad. I think that, uh, his ball striking ability is going to hold up nicely and his driver distance is going to be wonderful for the course. And that's Victor Hobby. Um, and nothing beats a home cooked meal and a, uh, some time in your, your own bed, um, going to, going to the, the PGA championship. So picking, picking two guys in orange this week. I thought for sure you were going big Dick Rick. Go Ricky. Crazy to the sleeper. <laughs> Rick, Ricky and hundred man. How do you get a sponsor's exemption to the PGA championship? That's what I'm wondering. From Oklahoma state. That's why. Can Victor Hovland's chipping hold up? Uh, I don't know. It is high ball flight. He likes to hit a high that wind on Thursday and Friday. He's going to have to, he's going to have to find that low, that Mike driver. Yeah. Can he do yeah, it? But he's he's going to be, he's going to be eating Ludafisk and, and <laughs> left good at home. Just, just relaxing. Nothing so. says Norway like Tulsa, Oklahoma. <laughs> the, the two are just intertwined <laughs> i will say if he gets a double bogey he'll still be smiling he will be he's got a great uh he's good and will he wear the will he wear the crazy like uh pants with the stripe down the side we're in from from southern hills and heading heading far far east uh just wrapping up the the golf trip from myrtle and uh i think the the biggest news and looking for some creative direction here from the listeners is where to go next. Um, it's our third time to Myrtle myself and, and Zach Sean fish have been there now three years in a row. Um, we've stayed consistently at a place called legends golf resort, just off the grand strand. They've got a, 
original Tom Doak, his first original design from 1990. They've got a PB Pete die design called Moreland from 1990. And then uh, an original creation, I'm not sure who the designer is, uh, one called Parkland um, on property as well. You know, white sand, large bunkering, um, and then two off resort, one north called Oyster Bay, one south called Heritage. And uh, the Tom Doak and the, the PB die are fantastic courses, very unique in their own ways. The, the Heathland course, uh, the, the um, Tom Doak course, very flowy, Irish inspired, lots of, of large hills, waste areas, bunkering. The Moreland course, the PB design, very much traditional peat. Uh, lots of bulkheading, railroad ties, water hazards, tricky, tricky angles into things, um, but a ton of fun. Uh, but Zach and I uh, kind of exasperated the, the ability to play any top 100s in Myrtle. We've, we've already played True Blue. We've already played the Dunes Golf and Beach Club, and we've already played Caledonia in the area. So this year we needed to mix it up and find something new. And we uh, rented a very small manual Fiat 500, woke up at uh, 4 a.m. one morning, and uh, started the drive north to Pinehurst and Southern Hills, North Carolina. And just so the listeners know, always remember to bring a, uh, a Bluetooth device or your own CDs from 2007 if you're renting a vehicle on Toro because you never know what you're gonna get. And we didn't have anything to listen up to, to Pinehurst other than the, the Christian gospel station, uh, which lasted from all the way from just outside Myrtle to Southern Pines. Um, well, two fantastic courses. Yep, go ahead, Chef. I was going to say that that should just give you just the absolute peace, just pulling into Pinehurst, just knowing that God's on your side today, buddy. I, I learned a lot about myself on that trip. You know, <laughs> it's just it's a lot That's of good cool. feelings. I, and for yeah. some reason, they were reading out of Revelations. So I just thought that is that is foreboding. That's that's a little bit much. Let's go. Uh, so we played Tobacco Road first, um, which is a Mike Strance. It is the most Mike Strance of Mike Strance. It's the wildest place I may have seen. This this might be even something wilder than what we experienced at Whistling, um, which is the sheer size of the bunkering, uh, the number of hazards, the shapes of the greens. Um, Mike, you'll love this. There was there was a green uh, number. What was that? Number 16 is a par three and the, the size and shape of this horseshoe would have put um, the Mammoth Dunes horseshoe to shame. It was double the size and uh, half half as skinny as oh, Mike Strange. Just pump full LSD making greens. Gotta love it. Yeah, gotta love it. Some of these lines <laughs> he just had to be. Um, took some interesting angles off the tee. The recommendation is to just hit driver. Don't I, I'm usually one to, to try to angle in properly, but I found after a couple where you just get a weird balance, you don't see where the ball goes and you can't see anything anyway when, when going into half the greens. Just bang driver around the place and have a great time. Um, absolutely fun, though. Uh, the, the undulations on the course were wild, and probably my, my number one hole was number 11. It's, uh, if anyone watches Barstool, it's, it's one that rigs – uh, almost decided to lay up on. Um, what a pussy. I hit driver nine iron and had a 10 footer for, for Eagle. So I don't know what he was doing that day, but very gettable. We played the back tees. So 
Uh, just try to bomb it around corners and you'll find yourself in good spots. Uh, Southern Pines was uh, about 24 minutes away and an absolute gem. It was a, a redesign. Um, Kyle Franz, I believe, a redesign who did Mid Pines and Pine Needles as well. But a restored Ross from 1906 and in absolutely phenomenal shape. Uh, the only reason that it wasn't held in higher regard by myself and Zach is because we were so emotionally burnt and, and overly stimulated by Tobacco Road that Southern Pines just didn't have the same same awe by the end of the day. But looking what back, they, what they don't sell they don't sell cigarettes in North Carolina or what? Uh, it was tobacco is such an emotional ride that uh, <laughs> it would it'd be like it was like when we played whistling and then we tried to go over the Irish. It just the Irish was fine. It was good. Looking back, good course, but just you're so burnt from from the previous eighteen you had to play. Yes. Uh, and then fantastic, fantastic town. Pinehurst is a, a what you would expect from a golf resort town. Everything is immaculate. Uh, all the grass seems to be green. All of the um, all of the buildings seem to fit a certain motif around what's expected from both Pinehurst and, and the Southern Pines um, resort property. But a very, very nice place to stay and, and would be an excellent pairing of a buddy's trip. You've got all the Pinehurst courses. You've got um, now the three courses associated with um, the Mid Pines Resort and, uh, and Tobacco Road uh, all right there. So likely can get in 10 to 10 different rounds of golf. Um, all within a single week, uh, all the completely, completely different courses. So couldn't recommend a trip there enough. And the food, barbecue, drinks were all phenomenal in the area. Um, ended up with a 79 in tobacco and then uh, a 76 at Southern Pines. Only 10 putts on the front. Wow, so balling, thank you. Balling out. Thank you Staying on brand, buddy. Breaking 80. Yeah. Breaking 80 both times, barely, barely a tobacco. Well, I don't know what do you, I mean, not to say that the, the next thing, but do you have another trip planned? You know, Mike and I are, you know, grinding out at work here while you plan another one, I'm sure. Yeah. So I, eventually here, I, I need to get back over and this could be this weekend. It could be next to play TPC deer run. And uh, Sean, a listener of the show, um, sent over a list of the the top uh casino courses and i didn't realize that that one down in burlington iowa is is a top casino course so that's that's pretty close to the quad cities as well and compare those together so that that could happen this weekend or next i'm not sure um and then we're we're looking forward to putting together our june trip for up north yeah we gotta get on that giants ridge and, be, uh, yes for sure. wilderness we gotta get out this, I, week, this week we'll figure it out i got a lot of, I got so many emails from Scotland and all these courses in Scotland. I forgot to get back to the Giants Ridge lady. We got to do that. Yep. And then in July, I am one hotel point state away from, from a free stay at the JW Marriott, uh, also known as TPC San Antonio. So I'll be going down there and playing TPC San Antonio, both courses, and uh, the uh, – the Fazio course, if not a couple more at the Barton Creek complex in Austin. Jeez. So, a lot of golf left. Yep. That sounds awesome, Timmy. Well, 
let's uh, let's wrap this baby up with Mike wanted to talk uh, through a few golf absurdities. Uh, he's kind of had a he's kind of been on a rant like, the last couple of days, just <laughs> thinking of these things. So if he wants to, let's just let him loose. Let's let him go. Yeah, Mike, we, free. we can do this every week because I, I read a lot of golf shit out there. So I, I got a few things here. One. I know yep. I picked him. I know I picked him to win. I, I, I've already, I've already, I'm already disappointed in myself for picking him just minutes later to win, win the PGA, but I'm a winner. We're trying to win. But if you watched uh, the tournament on Sunday, I actually did not watch. We were golfing, but I saw a clip on Twitter. Jordan Spieth is on a par three and he, he doesn't hit it. You know, it's not terrible shot. He hits it. Must've got it a little Healy or something. Cut it 20 yards right of the green. And then he went full Jordan Spieth, we'll call it, in this whiny, bitchy, I believe his comment was, this is the worst shot I, w- I have ever hit. Come on, Jordan. No, it wasn't, Jordan. We've all watched the Masters. We know it's not the worst shot you've ever hit, okay? that Not only the Masters, that tee shot at the British Open when he ended up winning was way worse than the shot he hit at, at Craig Ranch when everybody was 400 under par. I mean, come on. This is that that's like that's like the worst of the worst. You, know, you get the guys who are like who who it's fine. You hit a bad shot. Yeah, this is a, this is a terrible shot. What a bad shot. Everybody does that. I swear a little bit. Don't say it's the, the worst shot ever when it wasn't even that bad. That is absurd. Completely absurd. That's how some of us cope. We just we go to the max with as far as we can go, saying how bad and then we kind of it kind of gets us better at peace, and then he's by the way, Mike, what what did he get on that hole out of curiosity? He made par. Of course he did. He made par. Why, he made do, why, why the hell do you think I picked him? He's going to do it this week. He's going to grind it out. And then if he, when he wins this thing for me next week and I get I cut into Tim's lead, I will recant my absurdity in the next absurdities next week when he wins this for me. I'd like to get um, a, uh, a Billy Horschel, Jordan Spieth, Ryder Cup team. Oh, going. yeah. Just put those two on the same, the same team. So hey, was, okay. it, was it any worse than me saying – this when I hit a wedge at North Fork, it ended up being like three feet away, and I thought something happened on my swing. <laughs> felt like oh yeah, like tour, so- tour, tour sauce it to tap in range almost. That that's why you p- picked Hideki. He's the king of that one. Hideki does the one handed finish, and it's always like five feet away. Yeah, wow. exactly. So my other absurdity, this one I just saw today, and we're not going to go political here at all. But this has to do with the Donald with Donald Trump. But we're not going to go political. And it has to do with Jack Nicholas. Um, but they were talking about Southern Hills and this tournament today, the PG Champs was supposed to be played at Trump Bedminster. And after January 6th and everything, the PGA Tour, which is a brand, decided they can't be associated with, it, with, with, with him or whatever. And they moved to Southern Hills. Okay. So Jack was talking about that with the media and he was talking about council country, you know, whatever. I don't want to get political, but, but Jack commented that Trump is a student of the game of golf, which is more absurd than, than Jordan Spieth's comment on that part three, because I have exhibit a right here for you as to why he's not a student of the game. Donald Trump in, uh, I don't know what year this was, a few years ago, Golf Magazine or Golf Digest had asked all these people like every week to list their top 10 courses in America, you know, and they were going, they were going around one week. It would be, you know, Ben Crenshaw. Another week it would be whatever, some golfer, you know, it was all golf related stuff. And of course, Donald Trump owns, you know, two dozen golf course, whatever. And he's, you know, supposed to be this big golfer. 
here is his list. Uh, I will I will note before I go through one through four that Augusta is five, Cypress Point is six, and there is no Pine Valley on this top ten in America. This is not ones you've had to play. This is, what do you think of the best courses in America? And by the way, Pine Valley has been number one in the world multiple times. The number one course on his list, Trump National Bedminster. Sounds course. like we missed out this year. We missed out yeah. on the best yep. course in the nation. <laughs> followed, followed closely. And- Follow a close second by Winged Foot. Apparently not as good as Trump Bedminster. Third, Trump National <laughs> Westchester. Fourth, Trump International West Palm Beach. Slightly ahead of Augusta National and Cypress Point. <laughs> then uh, number seven, Trump National uh, Los Angeles. I'm going to skip to number nine, Trump National Philadelphia. Didn't even know that was a thing. Sandwiched in between those two Trump courses is a little course we call Oakmont. And then sliding in at number 10, I guess they had a Pine Valley is Pebble Beach. So to, I mean, to be fair, though, Oakmont has a road going through. It's not the best <laughs> property investment. So, you don't want to be by a highway. So to, for Jack Nicholas, this, you know, the greatest or you know, Tiger's greater, but the second greatest golfer ever to say he's a student of the game. This list right here would refute all of that. And that's not even going into the all of the cheating that he does as a golfer. Um, which by the way, he's, he's proclaimed. I looked into this. I did a bunch of research today on this. He claims to be a 20 time club champion and what he does at all these courses. And this is a classic move though. You got to give the great credit. You want your name on the wall. He'll play, he'll open a course and then he'll just go out and play by himself. And he'll say that he won the first ever club championship. And then the next year they'll have an actual one with all the members and they play, but his name's always on the wall as the first club champion, which is just <laughs> so wild. That's how we have 20 club champions. He's opened up yeah. 20 courses. So wild to think about. And I was, and I was reading all these articles and it's, they they, they talked to like Rick Riley wrote a book and talked to all kinds of people that have played with him. And they're like, he's the king of the foot wedge throws balls out of bunkers. You can't even make it up. It's so crazy. But, um, you know, the, and, and to round this kind of all out here, and so that's the absurd part. It was actually kind of a tough week for, for Trump, I think, in, in regards to uh, he was supposed to host. He's never hosted a men's major at any of his golf courses. They hosted the Women's U.S. Open there. He, this was going to be his big, you know, men's major um, because of some of the political stuff and also this golf course has been kind of involved in some tax fraud stuff where like the property is considered agricultural because they have some goats on it or something. And, and they only pay, they paid less than a thousand dollars in taxes, apparently, you know, which whatever you can, you know, whatever you got to do what you got to do to get tax breaks. But um, the other thing I think that was bad for him this week is he has supposed to have not one, but two of the Saudi league events are played at, uh, his courses. So I was just reading an article today where it's like, if he really wanted a, a major, a PGA championship or a major, he's going to burn that bridge with the PGA tour more than likely. And then um, he also owns Turnberry, which is a classic British open golf course. Uh, but they have basically, since he bought it, they have refused to host the open there. Um, they haven't done it since. And they don't have, it's not in the Rota uh, mainly due to, uh, how maybe not him, but his company has treated some of the people in Scotland and some of the issues they've had over there with uh, paying all the workers and paying for things and some of that stuff. So he's actually had a rough week. Uh, and I think a lot of it revolves now around the Saudi league stuff, which, uh, you know, to, to end a segment, you know, Phil's not playing. 
mean, that's, that's yeah. still, that's still going on. Ricky Fowler said today that, you know, he doesn't know uh, what he's going to do, which there's no way he goes there because he makes all his money off endorsements. They'll all cut him, you know? Um, and then th- if there's going to be two courses at, at uh, two Trump courses, there, he's, he's going into bed with that side, but he's going to lose his hope for a major. Probably. I don't know. The Saudi leagues, the Saudi leagues kind of just go and kind of, it's kind of turned everything crazy. The European tour also declined this week to let guys go too. So um, that that's going to be interesting. Cause you, you know, one thing I'm interested in Phil is the fact that we haven't really even, I mean, he's, he's missing a major that are, you know, trying to defend a major. That's, that's a big deal, but he's also like not, he's declining to talk about anything. So like, you know, at some point he's going to have to kind of explain himself or like, I don't know, like have a media something or, you know, instead of just putting out another thing and writing like up on his, you know, social media outlets. Yeah. Gotta talk about, I mean, he's just, he just seems like he's in hiding and he's just, you know, you, you, is he just going to play live events? And then he's, I mean, his legacy is just going to be, it's already kind of, you know, tarnished. They've got to have something on him. They must be holding the pension over his head or something. There's got a pension program supposed to be good. Good news though, for those Trump fans out there, I'm, I'm looking at the beer prices. Oh, gotta be lower than Southern, gotta be lower than Southern oh, Hills. Oh God, so much, it's half the cost. What a deal. <laughs> I'm not, I, and I'm not even, IPA, and I'm, $11, six point crisp and I'm not even trying, 10 bucks. I'm not, even trying to get, I'm not even trying to get political, but the golf statement that he's a student of the game. And then you look at his list of courses that were seriously his top 10. It's like, come on, man, this couldn't have, you can't be serious. Pine Valley. Not even on there. I don't know. You would Jack. vote for yourself. <laughs> I, I don't think, uh, I think Jack may have been just going with, uh, he enjoys the game. I don't know if he, I think so. Yeah. You know, instead yeah, of just, I don't know if you can say he knows the game, but I think he obviously likes golf. He plays golf course. He plays yeah, golf. No. He doesn't and Jack, Jack's, him. Jack's a supporter of Donald Trump. He's that's, that's obvious. He's not said that. So that's fine. I don't want to, I just thought that was an absurd statement to call him a student of the game. Um, anyway, but, um, uh, another thing uh, I think, um, if the, the Phil book is out this week, Alan Shipnick wrote the okay. book and it's, if you're a big reader out there, you might want to get it. I don't know. I, I listened to a podcast and they were talking about some of the film moments and it's kind of, I guess it kind of paints him as almost like an enigma, you know, like he can be great. He can be super gracious. He can be super, you know, helpful. And then at the same time, he can be like a jerk. He can be, it's just kind of all over the board. But, but listening to it, it paints him as he is the ultimate. And I think this might be some reason he's not coming back. The ultimate needs the action. He's got to gamble on everything. He is, he's always got money in the line, no matter what they're doing. Because um, they, they, they had, I, I listened to a podcast that he was on, and they were talking about uh, he was playing in a President's Cup. It wasn't a Ryder Cup um, with Tom Lehman, Minnesota, Minnesota's own. And they were in a, in a match, and Phil was just playing shitty, terrible. And he kept telling Tom, like, you know, I'll, I'm gonna get you, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pick it up, whatever. And he's playing terrible, and 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 they go, and so after one hole, uh, Phil's over there, you're looking at something. Uh, I don't know if it's on a phone or what it's on, but Tom Lehman goes over, he's gonna talk to him, you know, cheer him up a little bit. And here he's, he's looking at like the the NFL scores during during the President's Cup because he's got he's he's got cheddar on the line, you know, trying to figure <laughs> out <laughs> trying to figure out what's going on here. But he's the ultimate I, uh, gambler, you know. I think Phil has a lot of just overall ADHD 
kind. Like he always talks about how he's, you know, when he's playing golf, how he, you know, he's got to focus because he just struggles locking in for, you know, four hours of a round. Yeah. And because he's very just into everything, he just can't, he can't lock in very well. So he's got his hands in this hands in that has all these vices, obviously gambling is one of those things and, you know, money, this and like that. But I think he's a very like, I don't, I think he struggles being simple. I think he, everything is just to the extreme. There's no simplicity with Phil. There's no, it's not just a golf shot. It's got this and this and this involved. I mean, you've heard him talk about even hitting golf shots. It's like, Phil, like, do you really need to talk about the, you know, groove times wind plus velocity plus, I mean, just it's kind of Bryson like in that. So it's just, I don't know. I just think he, with everything in his life, nothing is simple and he's kind of in a, a complex moment right now. So, yeah, he likes to hear himself talk. Um, I think, I think part of it might be that, you know, well, I'm sure they offered him a ton of money, you know, and, and if he supposedly had lost like 40 million in a, in a couple of years span gambling, which to him is still, I'm sure he was, he was raking in, you know, 70 to 80 million in just endorsements in a year there in most years. Um, they've all, a bunch of them have dropped him now, but I'm sure that's part of it. But uh, I think he's a guy who he, he could say that. And, you know, it's kind of, it's, and it's, it's kind of a shock and awe. Cause I think the big thing was, he's like, well, I think the point he was trying to make is they've committed atrocities, but you know, you look at the European tour. The European tour also told their players they couldn't go. The European tour plays a ton of events in the Middle East, in China. They play all over the place. They they are playing in places where stuff goes on all the time. But I think Phil truly believes he can talk his way out of stuff too. You know, he could say something, and it, it, it this one this one he hasn't been able to talk. He's not going to talk his way out of, and it's kind of blown up in his face. Um, yeah, I don't know. There. I just think it's unfortunate that a le- you know a legend of the game like that wins as a yeah. what was he what was he fifty you know and then you know can't even come back to defend it in any sort of way you know it's like it was the awesomest story in golf flash I mean just so fun to watch him close it watch him win it and how quickly is that already disappeared. And he would have just ate. He would have ate this week up, even if he was oh. playing terrible. I mean, it would have been. You remember on social year? media talking about he'd probably have driven with his tro- trophy in his car. You know, yeah. just. You remember last year when he would like, next multiple events he'd miss the cut, and then his only post on like Twitter was, with that PGA <laughs> Championship though. It's all he would post. You know, like he would have exactly. ate this week up, and it's, it's kind of sad, but at the same time, that's kind of like who he is. He puts his foot in his mouth. They were talking on his book about when he was when he was an amateur he he was this he was so good he won a pga tour he was the last amateur to win a pga tour event um and he was a top 10 player in the world overall as an amateur he was that good and they go to the walker cup in ireland and during a during a practice round he hits one over by the freaking crowd you know and they ask him about about it and he's like oh man I don't want to hit it near the crowd again. These Irish women aren't much to look at. And just, he just gets roasted, you know, all week. He's just getting roasted by everybody. Well, then of course it comes down to the Walker cup comes down to him making some birdie to like win it at the end, of course. And on the way out of town, 
uh, the bus gets stopped by like the police and like the the guy that like is like the Ministry of Tourism, like all these Irish officials, and they force them to he has to make a video like apologizing to the women of Ireland <laughs> before they let him leave. Tourists will make him do that. Yeah. Make him- yeah. And he's just like, that's just how you know, there, there's so many stories on there. He's just the ultimate gambler slash talker slash you know whatever and i think that I, this might have bit him in the foot for good here i don't know i don't know how he kept getting that that good guy kind of kind of judgment that he always did he was always the he's always kind of the good guy he was always the fan favorite and his actions over the years with with some of the gambling problems with the the rumored of swinger lifestyle yeah, that they they it, supposedly the book uh, proves that false or something that didn't oh, happen. Apparently, oh, supposedly favorite, it didn't happen. That's my favorite story. I know, mine too. But yeah, I, I think, too. I think part of I think part of what made him, you know, Tiger was uh, you know Phil Phil Mickelson has never been ranked number one in the world ever for how good as he was, because um, he played when Tiger was always number one. And Tiger was that guarded, you know, you never got anything out of Tiger Harley where Phil would just tell it like it is, you know, Wingfoot, he'd get up there and say, God, I'm an idiot. You know, he, I think people, people like that, you know, when he'll just be honest and tell it like it is. Um, and, and let's be honest, the dude's fun to watch. There's nothing more fun to watch. Like, like that masters when he's hitting from behind the tree, when he's on hitting flop shots and stuff, he's just flat out fun to watch. Uh, and he's just kind of the ultimate swashbuckler out there. He's a salesman. He sells his he personality. He sells his golf game. He sells everything. It's just, and then there's times where he obviously turns that off when certain people aren't watching and he's got another side to him. It's just. Yeah. And I think, yeah. I think the other deal with this is the players are willing to turn on Phil on tour, you know, Tiger the players, um, the players understand that Tiger is the man. He makes them. He's the reason they're making the kind of money they're making. I, I think he's revered, and I think Phil is by some of the guys. But I was watching something on Golf Channel, and they're, and they're like, "There's plenty of guys on tour that wouldn't stand up for Phil like they would for like Tiger." I think that's part of the deal. Um, but I don't know. Tiger's Tiger. Shit. Tiger, the live, the, the live tour, Saudi tour could come out today and say, Tiger's going to be the ambassador. And and half of them and, and most of America would say, oh, atrocities in Saudi Arabia. Oh, America does that too, blah, blah, blah. You know, who cares if it, it's Tiger? So I don't yeah. know. Yeah. If Tiger comes out and says he's playing, everybody's starting to look at the schedule and say, okay, where are they playing now? Let's see yeah. if you know, watch them on a. So, yeah. So, you know, it is what it is. It's an ongoing thing. I don't, the, the problem is, I don't know. I don't know if it goes away. They, they got so much money. You know, it's a money thing. They, they're yeah. willing to throw so much money. Jack Nicholas today claimed in the same, in the same thing, he claimed they offered him a hundred million to be like the ambassador of the tour. Like basically the, the Greg Norman kind of spot, I think a yeah. hundred million dollars to be like just the guy that talks it up and everything. Now, is that true? Who knows? But. Well, golf's in a weird spot, but the good news is we have a major this week. Well, let's look short-term. We can worry about long-term later. Let's just watch Hideki stripe three woods to greens. Let's watch him, you know, walk in putts. I do another, at least 
flag. Up the major, and let's get Jeff his first win. What do you say, it boys? Be, it would be a big one. I can't wait to I can't wait to sit here on Sunday, <laughs> kick back with a with a nice Michelob Ultra. In my no, actually, I, would, I, never, I, I never, yeah, buy that, I never buy that. I never buy that shit. I don't buy. Whole, I don't buy. I don't buy that shit. But anyway, kick back with a beer with a beer and margarita. Watch Jordan. Wine his way, wine his way to a title with giant block lettering. I mean, we're talking humongous block hat, block shirt. He's going to be just bitching out Greller left and right. Worst shot ever. And then he's going to find a way, just get it in the hole and get me the dub. Get me the win, baby. Let's go. I think it's my two orange dreamsicles you know you know that are making that. it. <laughs> the two well, orange dreamsicles right, are coming through. Yeah. We're gonna wrap this baby up, but uh, uh, like we always say, if you can, can uh, come and give us a, a rating, it'd be a big help to us. Uh, we're gonna try to keep um, possibly get some guests on as well. We gotta start uh, branching out a little bit and, and sharing some stories in the community, and um, we're looking forward to that as well. So take care, enjoy the major week, guys. Uh, we'll check later. Yeah, I think for sure. Uh... Uh, if you're on Apple or something, subscribe and share with people. Tell them about the podcast. If they like golf, give us a listen. Have fun. Uh, let's what, let's see let's see somebody not go 2600 this week for the for, for a change. Here we go. We're back to reality. Have fun out there watching people. Maybe today's the day I brigade thee. Want the ball to draw, but it keeps on fading. No OB and no bogeys. I gotta keep it on the 80 is the gold G. Would you hit it on one? Straight up the gut, baby. Now I got a wedge on my short game cravings. Little bit of edge on the sport makes gravy. So punch out the rough and tune to break 80. Break 80. Break 80.